Amen. All right, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 5. We're going to get through a whole three verses this morning. Let's take a look again at verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Really, pastor? Really, Jesus? You said this? He really did, okay? I don't know if you guys laughed when you saw the bulletin this morning. It says, happy birthday. Or, sorry, not happy birthday. Happy Mother's Day on the top. And then the title's name is underneath. You know, blessed are those who are persecuted. <laughs> we know you moms go through a lot, okay? But there is a blessing that comes with being persecuted for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the good news. And that's what we get to consider this morning. And here he says, we will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. This is what's been given to us. Blessed are those when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So catch this, guys. Since the beginning of time, Man has dealt with religious persecution. Think all the way back to the first boy that is named in the Bible. And who is that? Cain. And he ended up killing his brother Abel. Why? Because of religious persecution. He didn't like what was going down. Now, you're blessed when your, your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you and discredit you. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give cheer even for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and the witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Now, there are 3,573 promises in the Bible. I want you guys to jot down 2 Timothy 3.12. It may be in your handouts that we got this morning. This is one of those promises that are in the scriptures that are given from God, promised to us as believers that you will not find in one of those cutesy-wootsy little bitty promise books that you get from the bookstore, okay? This makes me want to make a cutesy-wootsy little bitty promise book, okay? But it tells us, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That is is a promise from God. We shall suffer persecution. Okay, We are pretty good here in the States, but there is persecution of the Christian today. Today, at least in my lifetime, it seems like anything goes except for biblical Christianity. We can be tolerant today of everything and everyone except for Christians because they're very narrow-minded. <laughs> and how dare, how dare we believe what God says, but we'll go with anything else. So this seems based, if we think about it, on the nature of Christianity and the nature of sinful, the sinfulness of man. There is a tension between the, the message of the way of the life of the Christian, and then we have, on the other hand, guys, the mindset of the way of life of the world 
on the other conflict. When it comes to this, there's going to be conflict. It's inevitable. It's going to happen when we have these two tensions going on. So this conviction is really rooted in the nature of fallen man. It's within us. It's part of who we are. And then we have the nature of the new creation, anyone who's in Christ Jesus, okay? So sooner or later, a deeply God-centered Christian will be mistreated for the things he believes or the life that he lives. It's going to happen. Now, a guy by the name of J.C. McCauley said this, if the world had nothing better than a cross for Jesus... It will not have a royal carriage for his followers. And that's what we think we deserve, right? I'm a child of the king. I should be super blessed. Well, did they bless our Lord and Savior? Should we think we should be treated better than he? Well, aren't you guys thankful for what the scriptures say? Now, persecution, is this relevant for us today? Well, yes. Very much so. I'd like to share what some brothers and sisters are going through today throughout the world for just being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus Christ that are being persecuted right now. Think about Iraq, the land of Eden, Jonah, Daniel. Okay, Christians today there in that land have shrunk from 1.5 million down to 300. 100,000. They are being persecuted. The church is being attacked. In Syria, only 1% of the Syrian refugees that we're reading about, hearing about all the time, are, are, are in these camps, are Christian. Only 1%. Because they're scared that if they let themselves or their faith be known, that the Sunni refugees identifying them to the people, the, the, uh, to Syrian government, um, that they'll end up being put to death or killed. In Iran, the church uh, is growing in face of intense persecution. I love hearing that. A lot of Iran stuff going on in the news today, but there are a lot coming to faith there. But the government has imprisoned, there's over 40 pastors that are locked up right now in Iran for the gospel's sake. In India, the rise of radical Hindu nationalist movement has led brutal attacks on Christians. And this is very recent. In 2014, the election of Prime Minister Naranda Modi, there has been a huge rash of attacks on pastors, the churches there, and Christian schools. In Pakistan, Christians face a constant threat of mob violence due to blasphemy laws, which lead to the sentence of death. In Sudan, Christians face the death sentence for apostasy. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Islam is growing steadily in Africa right now. In uh, Nigeria, hundreds of thousands of Christians are facing massacre by radical Islam terror groups as uh, the group uh, Boko Haram. In China, okay, we know China's communist government has imprisoned Christian human rights lawyers representing house churches and their leaders. They took down in the recent years about 1,500 crosses from these churches in home churches. Hey, you guys can't let anybody know who you are, okay? 
So there is crazy attack coming against them, and they're destroying churches themselves. Um, and then we have the uh, Democratic Public Party of, or uh, Public of North Korea. And you guys know it is bad there. Um, tens of thousands of our brothers and sisters are enslaved in labor camps for their faith in Jesus. North Korea is, uh, is one of the most dangerous places on earth if you're a Christian. Anyone who practices Christianity, they are subject to arrest, torture, imprisonment, labor camps, and death. So the North Korean government classifies families based on their expressions of loyalty to the state. But if you're a Christian, who are you loyal to? Well, I've given my allegiance to King Jesus. Sorry, state. So they come down most hard upon the Christians there. They're considered to be the bottom of society. But this week, if you've been watching the news, guys, we just talked about this, there have been developments on the Korean peninsula there in hopes that the doors are going to open. Okay, There are talks open for Christianity to go in. So we need to pray, pray, pray for that to happen. Let's pray right now. Father, we do want to lift up. We know we've been praying for so long. God, and it does seem like things are changing up uh, in North Korea right now. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for the, the peace treaty. We don't know how that's all going to fall between North and South Korea. We just are thankful to hear about this. And we just pray as doors are opened, Lord, and that they're putting down their swords and making them into plowshares, Father, that they would be uh, just open to the good news of Jesus Christ, that you would make the believers there just bold and strengthen them to rise up and to speak the good news. Father, we just pray that your spirit would just do an awesome work. We ask in your name. Amen? Amen. 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 So let's admit it. We live in Disneyland compared to most brothers and sisters, right? We really do. I mean, talk about our persecution. I've been pushed around, hit, not stateside. I've been spit on. That's about as bad as I've gotten it. Really? We got it pretty good. We have a lot of freedoms. Is anybody really undone? Are we scared this morning about gathering together in the name of Jesus? We enjoy a lot of freedoms. We are truly blessed, guys. Now, I want to talk about three areas of persecution this morning. First of all, reasons for persecution our responses to persecution, and then our rewards to persecution. So let's first look at reasons for persecution. Um, I think it's important for you and I to distinguish the difference between what persecution is and what punishment is. We are punished by good men for doing evil. right? That's why we throw people into jail. They get incarcerated. And we are persecuted by who? bad men for doing good. Do you guys see the difference between the two? Now, I want to give you guys an illustration, maybe to help you understand. As a young, zealous believer, say you walk into Perkins late one night. You get everyone's attention in the restaurant by yelling out loud and telling everybody that they're going to go to hell unless they repent in turn to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior because he died on a cross for them, that their sins could be forgiven. All they need to do is believe. 
but you get kicked out for making a ruckus. Then you're thinking, hey, I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake. No, I think you're being persecuted for stupidity's sake. Um, <laughs> I want us to get this. We all suffer for the sake of goodness, not for the guilt of wrongness. If you guys look, what does God say to this? Well, Jesus names two reasons for persecution. Did you catch it? One for righteousness sake, and then the other for his name's sake. Okay, for his righteousness sake. We see that in verse 10. Turning your Bibles to John chapter 15. Ladies, do you know what John 15 is about? Abiding in Jesus, right? Relationship. I heard you guys got to hit on that quite a bit last week. And absolutely, that's what God cares about. He doesn't care about relationship. Okay? If he's going to be our heavenly father, we're going to be his heavenly kids. There's going to be a relationship there. There's to be an intimacy, a sweetness, doing life together. And God asks us to abide with him. So, if we're abiding with him, we will be persecuted for upholding God's standards of what? Justice, right? We can't abide with God and not stand up for justice, what's right, for truth, for goodness. It doesn't work, right? So, it is a result of the believers daring to live really out these beatitudes that we've been studying over the last couple months. So the root of righteousness really is to divide. Do you guys understand that? It's not to be different, okay? It's, it's to really divide. God is calling his church to be set apart. We're not to look like the world. It's shame on us. The church kind of does. We're to be radically different. Why? Because God is radically different. And if we're little Christ, if we are Christ's followers, his disciples, we're going to look different than the world. Now, John chapter 15, the first part's about abiding, but we're going to jump all the way down to verse 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Does the world love you, Christian? As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. So Christian, if you're asking yourself, why does the world hate me? Jesus just told us here. Jesus caused division while on earth, and we seek to be like him, then no doubt we're going to produce those same results. Look at verse 20 then. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Oh wow, another promise for my little book. Did you guys catch that? They will persecute you. Okay. Um, how many guys um, are familiar with Voice of the Martyrs? Okay, phenomenal ministry. They have a little app that you can get for your phone, VOM or Voice of the Martyrs. Look it up. I love it. Like this morning, early this morning, there were 321 people by the time I got there who prayed specifically for Pakistan. They give a little background on what's going on there, what the church is up to, how the church is being persecuted in whatever country that they would bring up that day. And then they have specific ways that you can pray for them. So I would encourage you guys, jot it down. Voice of the Martyrs, get the app. Get aware of what's going on around. The, these are our brothers and sisters. Do you care about your brothers and sisters? Do you want to know what's going on? Well, that's over there. I don't want to think about it because then I might care. 
And if I care, I might pray. And if I pray, I might want to get involved. Good! That's what God wants. So let's talk about true righteousness for a while, which is uh, defined in verse 20, always involves relationship with Jesus. So true righteousness is not done for its own sake. It is done for Jesus' sake. Okay? It's not about you and your goodness. It's all about him and what he has done. So right living and daring to live the Beatitudes will be persecuted or reviled or at least be spoken against in ridicule. You understand that? Think through this with me, guys. Okay? I know we got some of the older kids with us today. I want you guys to think through this. Say you stand for abstinence before marriage. Your life will be attacked by people who want to hook up with their boyfriend or their girlfriend or just anybody before marriage. Say you want to embrace to live a sober life. Well, your life will then be a statement against a party lifestyle. Do you guys see how that works? Say if you want to pursue self-control, your life will then um, be indicative of excess or will actually become against excess just living, whether it be eating or excess hoarding or excess living. If you live simply and happily, you will show the folly of luxury and overabundance. If you walk humbly with your God, you will expose the evil of pride. If you walk diligent and honest with your dealings, you will lay open the, inf- the inf- uh, sorry, inferiority of, uh, say, laziness or negligence. If you speak of, in compassion, what is that going to say to the world? Well, it's going to say you guys are being callous, okay? And they're not going to like that. Okay, say you show empathy. Well, it's going to speak to the world that they're apathetic. And if you are spiritually minded, you will expose worldly mindedness to all those who are around you. And do you guys think maybe that's the way it's supposed to be? We're about to get there. You are salt and light, Jesus said. That's who we are as believers. We should shine. So blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For Jesus' sake, in verse 11. Stay here in John 15 if you're there. So he said, for my sake, if you're persecuted for my sake. So we also are persecuted for his name's sake. Look at verse 21. Jesus told them, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And isn't that what it really comes down to, brother and sister? When we're trying to share our faith with somebody else and they're just not getting it, it's because they don't know them. I have some Catholic family friends. Man, button heads like crazy. Why? Because they don't know the Lord. If they knew him as Lord, as God, who he really is, they would believe him. Okay, And for you guys who are born again, man, you have the spirit of truth dwelling in you. Your eyes are open. You're like, whoa, this is true. This is right. God is right. Let every man be a liar. 
So, we are persecuted by those, by the world, because they don't know God. They don't know his son. So this ignorance always breeds suspicion. Suspicion breeds what? Fear. In whatever a person fears, what's he going to do? Attack it. He's going to attack it. Jot down Philippians 1.29. Another promise for you and I. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. And it happens. It's a bummer when it has to happen within your own family. Sometimes you have a believing spouse and the other one doesn't. The believer's going to suffer just because they want to honor God. Why are you doing that? Why are you waiting? I don't want to spend my money on that. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this. I don't want, you know. breaks your heart to see that. But then there's the extended family. And then there's the neighbors, the people that you live next to maybe for years, maybe for decades, and they just want nothing to do with you because they know that you like Jesus. You know? And they like their sin. <laughs> they don't want to come to the truth. They want to suppress it. And in order to do that, I need to keep you away. Because if I'm going to hang with you, you might actually get me thinking. Actually being real. <laughs> you know? Can't have any of that going on. So persecution is when, and I want you guys to catch this, it is when you're seeking to do His will and honor His name, and as a result, you're going to suffer. So if you see a brother or sister complaining about suffering for Christ's sake, but it has nothing to do with the Lord, you need to correct them. Because we're all going to go through things in this life, guys, believe it or not. What he's talking about here is this persecution for his name's sake. Okay? It's for him. It's for righteousness' sake. You guys get that? Good. So, two reasons for the persecution. It's right living, and it's for his name. Now let's move on to the next point. How are we to respond to persecution? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. Okay? We must respond to it and not react to it. Okay? You guys know what I'm talking about? We need to respond. Respond. And how should we respond? In truth and love. Like Christ would, right? Which is good. Monday night after a softball game, okay? Softball season just started for the church league. Ooh, we won 25 to 2. I'm bragging. Um, <laughs> I got to share with two Catholic guys, you know? And I felt, after I left, I felt like I blew it. I got to share the gospel with them. I got to encourage them to read the Bible. You know, but I felt like I blew it. Because I wanted to show them how wrong they were and how right God is. You know? And it was one of those things, it was getting late, I wanted to get the kids home. And man, guys, when it comes to sharing the goodness of God, that's the greatest thing we can do. Okay? Take the time. <laughs> Speak it in love. Speak it in truth. That's what we're to do. Because there were some things that were kind of coming back. Instead of responding, I just reacted. Oh, really? Well, take this. <laughs> you know? And it's one of those things, and I don't know if it's because I was just coming off of playing you know, softball, and I'm like competitive, you know, <laughs> or what. But do you guys get the point there? Okay, it's very important how we respond. So we need to be prepared with the right attitude of mind. For as much then as Christ 
has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, 1 Peter 4 tells us, right? So Jesus gives three proper responses. First, we reign, we rejoice, and then we release love. Don't you love God's ways? They're way better than ours. He's so wise, okay? Check out the first response. Again, Matthew 5.10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the believer, I want you to catch this brother or sister. Or if you're not a believer in Christ, I want you to catch what you're missing out on. Right here, the believer reigns in the midst of persecution. That's what we are to do. And if so, we should act like a king, correct? Think about this. The more Saul, you guys remember Saul? He persecuted young David, who was to be the next king. For the more David reigned in life through faith in God, the more he was persecuted. So David knew he was the rightful king, so he acted like a king. So when you know you're a king, it's beneath you, okay, your dignity to retaliate because that only makes you like other people. We're not like other people, guys. And the second response then is to rejoice, right? Verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. <laughs> yeah, right, we're talking about persecution, pastor. Really? Really, God? You're telling me to rejoice in this? To be exceedingly glad? Yeah. And you know Christians who are really being persecuted? I don't know if how involved you are with foreign missions. If you support or you're reading the letters, the prayer requests that are coming out of the persecuted church. Have you guys received any letters from the persecuted church, pers people personally being persecuted for their faith, for it to stop? I haven't. Every time I hear a prayer request from a brother or sister who is being attacked, thrown in jail, persecuted, might be looking at death for their faith in Christ, it's not pray this will stop. Pray that I will continue to be a bold witness that God will strengthen me to be a light to these coming against me and persecuting me. That is their heart, guys. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit works in the hearts of those who are really being persecuted. So our response really then is to rejoice, okay? So what a shocking piece of counsel God is giving us here. We're belittled, mocked, tortured, even killed for our faith in Christ. So how do we rejoice and be exceedingly glad exactly? Well, the disciples did when they were persecuted, correct? Look at Acts 5.40. It's in your handout. When they had called for the apostles and beaten them, wouldn't that be cool? Hey, we want to talk to you, Jesus people. Come here. We're going to beat you too, right? And beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. Did they actually stop, guys? No, we just studied the book of Acts. <laughs> they turned the world upside down for Jesus. And let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Is that not really cool? Would you guys be able to rejoice? Yes! They threw me in jail for Jesus' name. Or would we want to stand in our rights and say, hey, I'm an American. We have a constitution. 
I have these rights to believe what I want to believe. I'm going to bring up a lawsuit against you. How dare you think you try to pull that off? And this, I think that would be the majority of the mindset of the Christian church in America today. Instead of stepping back and saying, praise the Lord. <laughs> I am rejoicing. What an honor to be counted worthy to be persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. Let that be our heart and our mindset, brother and sister. So what can justify this counsel to people in pain? Okay, Well, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Let's see two possibilities to this. Either this is the talk of an intensive ivory tower theologian who has never known what it is to scream with pain. Or this is one, or the talk of the one, okay, Jesus, who has seen something and tasted something and knows something about reality, okay? So God, he really lived. Do you really know him? Okay, that peace, most people, they don't have a clue who he is, okay? We know the one. We get to share him. So Jesus can say it is because he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that the reward of heaven will be more than compassionate for any suffering we endure in the service of Christ. It's kind of exciting, isn't it? You guys know that this life is but a vapor? It really is. We're on a mission here, guys. We want to fill the Great Commission. What is that about? It's telling the world about Jesus. It's all about Him, guys. So we get to rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Um... This just popped in my head. Didn't think about it all week, but I know it's Mom's Day and we got a lot of moms and dads here that have little kids still, okay? Don't ever, ever discourage your kid from following what God would be asking them to do. I know as parents, we want to love, we want to protect. Son, why do you have a heart for missions? Why would you want to go to Jordan? Why would you want to go to the Sudan? Why would you want to go over there? That's not safe. Okay? Reality check. Your kids are not yours. Okay? As a Christian parent, you have committed them to Jesus Christ. We want to encourage that. We want to build that up. And that's a hard reality to face. But I want to give one more reality check real quick. If we're not leading by example and willing to lay down our lives ourselves, how can we expect our kids to do the same, brother and sister? Let them see that you are following him that you're doing what he's asking to do, even if there is sacrifice and it is hard and it might be radical. Why? Because when it's all said and done, it's about him, his will, right? His glory. That's why we're here. And that's what we want to do as a church. We want to encourage one another in that truth. And that's really as we open the scriptures and we're being real with what God's saying here, we got to come to this conclusion. We've got to reason through these things. We've got to be real about them. So, there's a mystery here, <laughs> okay? Because in our understanding, this is kind of hard to grasp, isn't it? I want us to get this here, the mystery of joy in the midst of agony, really? Yeah, okay? Some of you have experienced this, and you know it's true. There's a mystery of gladness in the midst of misery and groaning. Some of us just want to complain <laughs> and have a pity party all the time. Well, you're missing out on what God may be doing in the process. And this mystery 
is contained in a miracle, namely the miracle of faith. So the bedrock assurance that heaven is a hundredfold compensation for every pain. That's what the scriptures speak to. So the degree that you believe what Jesus sees in heaven, okay? So do you have that type of faith? If you don't, I would encourage you guys, dive into the scriptures. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not just briefly read over, dive in, study it out. Get the narrative of the Bible. Get the big picture. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17, then without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, I want to please God. He's my heavenly father, right? Hebrews eleven six comes from those who diligently seek him, right? And he will reward that seeking. So if we're in that place of really seeking him and then believing him, He's going to honor that. And if you look at missionaries, people who have gone forth with the gospel, the one thing that they all have in common is they've come to love Jesus and they believe so much that they can't keep it to themselves. They have to share it with others. That's why they're willing to give up all, to leave their hopes and dreams for the glory of God. I also find great encouragement from brothers and sisters who have made such choices. For brothers and sisters who even to the point of laying down their own lives for their faith in Christ Jesus, I have found great encouragement through the years. If you have not read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you need to jot that down and put it on your bucket list to read this summer. I think it's in the top 10 of Christian reads. Um, I read of uh, Bishop Ridley and Roland Taylor and John Bradford, the impulse to kiss the stake upon which they are about to be burned. Man, were these people of faith or what? Really? I think of uh, Obadiah Holmes after 90 lashes, this guy's back, okay? Jello, hamburger meat, okay? Tortured for the sake of Christ, okay? Queen Mary, you guys have heard her, Bloody Mary, okay? Yeah, do not like the guy. He said to her, you've struck me with kisses of roses. <laughs> wow. Thomas Hardcastle said that the persecution is a precious season of grace. Um, my wife's been sharing some stories with our kids. Here's another book on martyrs. It's called Jesus Freaks. Um, I picked this up a couple decades ago. I used to share it with the youth group when I youth pastored. Some phenomenal stories in there. And a lot of you guys are familiar with Stateside here. Um, this is on page 17. If you have the book, I'd encourage you guys to share these with your kids. You guys remember uh, Rachel Scott? Okay. Um, Columbine shooting at the high school. That had to be almost 20 years ago. That was, I was, yeah. Um, anyways, um, Rachel's challenge. It says that she was 17 years old. She stood glaring, or he stood, the shooter stood, glaring at her, his weapon before her face. And ask this question, do you believe in God? 
She paused. It was life or death question. Yes, I believe in God. Why? asked her executioner. But he never gave her a chance to respond. And the teenage girl lay at his feet. But I think about that challenge. He was a young gal still in high school. She knew she was going to die. Shootings had already begun. But if it came down to it, and you were pressed to confess Jesus Christ, do you believe? Would you stand up for God? Would you be in that place? Well, some of you guys know her story and have read her journal entries. This gal already made up her mind before it ever happened. Guys, I do believe we may see more persecution here in America than we have before. Okay, And that's just what I'm observing. Things are swinging. I don't want to put God in a box. I hope there's revival. I hope there's turning back. But it seems people are getting more and more hostile towards believers. Um, it's going to come. But have you purposed in your heart? When it does, I'm going to stand. I've already made up my mind. It's not going to be like, I've got to think about this. I've got to weigh out what's going to go down. That means my wife would be left behind with three little kids. That means I wouldn't be able to share the word of God anymore, and that might mean more people would come to faith. No. <laughs> we don't deny God. We can't. He's told us not to. We stand for what we believe. Um, and our last response I want to look at here is the release of love. If you jump down to Matthew 5, if you're not there, jump down to verse 44. Again, this, this fits in the context of what we've been studying here this morning about persecution. But Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's what we're called to do to be praying for them. When you get that prayer request from that persecuted believer who's asking, pray for my persecutors. Get on your knees and really pray that they'd be converted. Do it. That's the heart of God. And really, this is the result of reigning and rejoicing. It's going to love. And I'm not talking about some shallow sentiment. This is real love, God-type love. Okay? It is a settled attitude of mind and heart that leads to definite actions of will. So simply, we should treat our enemies the way God has treated who? Us. If you guys ever have a question, how am I to love this person? Just turn and look to Jesus. How are you loving me? Whoa, that's sacrificial. <laughs> that's unconditional love, Father. Yeah. That's how he wants us to love our enemies, guys. So we shouldn't pray for fire from heaven to consume them, but that the Holy Spirit would, <laughs> fire would come upon them and that they would be converted. All right, rewards then for persecution. One reward is named for you and I here in verse 10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love that is. You can circle it, okay? It's something that has been given. It's not entering into it, okay? It's actually we get to enjoy it now. Do you guys understand that? 
A lot of us have a hope as Christians, well, one day when I finally get there, that's your mindset. You're missing out on what God has given us. Do you not know, saying Ephesians 1.3 says that you have been blessed with every, heaven, or every uh, heavenly blessing in the spiritual realm right here, right now? Okay, we have been blessed by God. So let's unpack this a little bit to understand this. It is now. So right here and now we can live like kings. Now another reward is our identity with Christ. Okay, and the prophets, we see that in verse 12. So what holy band of saints do you belong to? So here's where believers of whom the world was not worthy, Hebrews 11:38. today we can enter into the riches of the kingdom and really have fellowship with these martyrs, but there is also a future reward for great is your reward in heaven. Don't you love that? Underline that, okay? Never minimize the present power of future reward. It is an encouragement. I want to share just a few verses with you guys that I've found so much encouragement with over the years. The first one is in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Is that not a cool verse? It doesn't even come close okay, to the glory that's going to be revealed. In Hebrews eleven twenty six, 26, it says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to the reward, okay? Are you living for the here and now? Or do you want a reward that's going to last forever, that you can enjoy forever? Well, absolutely. Start treasures in heaven, right? Okay? So there is a reward. And then in 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So this is easy for the comfortable saint to despise promised rewards, but let him go into the fires that he might change his mind. Someone said this, Life on earth is the womb of eternity. Life on earth is the womb of eternity. Think about that for a second. We don't remember anything in the womb. Not a thing. But think of this world compared to a watery world. We would never know bacon or coffee, right? Walking barefoot on the sand. I love that. Or seeing a blue sky, experiencing love, relationships. We wouldn't know any of that. So what will the next world be like? Nothing compared to this one, brother and sister. Nothing compared to this one. It is so beyond us. Does that get you guys exciting? Yeah, I'm excited. Like, I really want to see Jesus. It's going to be cool. Heaven's going to be cool. But let me tell you what, it's just going to be so cool to be with him. You know, and it's not even, I mean, he's going to blow our minds. If you guys think you have him grasped and how awesome he is, he's, yeah, it's going to be so cool. Anyways, um, so Jesus wills for his disciples to desire the reward of heaven more than we desire the reward of this world. Jesus wills for us to have our treasure in heaven and not on earth. Jesus wills for the heart to be set on heaven and to leave this earth, earth uh, is a cause of rejoicing. 
Jesus wills for us to have our hearts primarily in heaven, our hopes primarily in heaven, our longings primarily in heaven, and our joy primarily in heaven. So how shall we rejoice and be glad when these things are taken from us if we have not loved heaven more? Does that make sense? This is Bible. This is something the church is getting very backwards today. Brother and sister, I hope you see the big picture. I hope you get what your Lord and Savior is saying to you. All right, let's wrap this up. It's difficult to believe that a man would be persecuted or be persecuted by people um, that have been persecuted who are meek, humble, seeking after righteousness, who are merciful, who are loving, who are trying to make peace. But they do, right? They do all the time. This world welcomes a compromising Christian, but hates the Christian who does the will of God. I want you guys to consider the children of John Rogers. You can write down John Rogers. It would be good for you guys to read up on his life. I have a lot of respect, admiration for this man. We don't have time to get into his life, but he was burned alive. Queen Mary again. Spoke against her. Spoke the truth of the gospel. He was burned alive because of his faith in Jesus. His wife and children being 11 in number and 10 able to go and one at her breast met him by the way as he went towards Smithfield. His children called out encouragements to him through their tears that he might be strong and not turn back dishonoring Christ. How cool that this man led his family in such a manner that his children and his wife got it. Don't turn back, Dad. Stand strong for Jesus. Revelation 2.10 from a paraphrased translation says, Fear nothing in the things you're about to suffer, but be on guard. Fear nothing. The devil is about to throw you into jail for about 10 days. It won't last forever. Don't quit, even if it costs you your life. Stay there believing. I have a life crown sized and ready for you. Think about that. That's cool. So look to the prophets. Look to the disciples. Look to the martyrs. Look to Jesus. Whatever you must do, get your heart in heaven. Whatever you have to do, get your eyes off this world. Get them on Jesus, guys. I want to close with a quote from Jim Elliott. He was a missionary who was flown in to the jungle to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lot of you guys know his story along with the other man, men. Was it Nate Saint who was the pilot? Yeah, Nate Saint was the pilot. He also died. Um, Jim said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Wow. This came from a brother who got it. 
Father, we are so thankful for the cross, God, that you laid down your life, that we may have life. And we're going to go big. You've told us to pray for believers everywhere. And we want to do that this morning. We're praying for those brothers and sisters um, that are being persecuted all over the world for their faith in you. We would ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just strengthen their inner man. Father, give them boldness. Father, encouragement today. Give them opportunities just to shine for you, Jesus. To be your instruments of grace just in the middle of chaos and darkness. Lord, and I pray for my brothers and sisters here and myself, Lord. God, help us to be more mindful than we ever have been of you, of those things above, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to treasure you more and more. For there is none like you, God. You are the hope of this world. God, we want to share it well. We want to live it well. We thank you for all that we are, that we are your kids, and all that you have given us in being your kids. What a gift. We look forward to spending eternity with you. We get glimpses of it here and now. Father, we just would ask, God, that you just use us in these last days for your glory. We ask in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to share with you guys from Jude chapter 20 or verse 24 and 25 now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy that's the hope we get to share guys to God our savior who alone is wise to him be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen amen, amen. awesome love you guys Moms, you are a gift. Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy your day, guys.